Welcome to the Guy at the Movies Live, your weekly source for the biggest movie news and discussion with special guests popping in along the way. Sometimes we don't always have special guests, but who we do have is our wonderful co-host, Sean. Sean, how's it going? It's going great. And by the time I finish this sentence, Tenet is going to already have a different release date. <laughs> yeah, they just I just got word in my earpiece because we're really official here. Mm -hmm. um, it did just get moved again. So uh I'm thinking that actually we released we released this podcast um, in uh, internationally first, and then in the U.S. Um, a week later, just so you know people could spoil it for us. <laughs> Did you happen to see uh, Billy Eichner's tweet where he was like, "If they really want to fuck with us, they should announce the release date in November of 2017 or something." <laughs> well, I, I mean, everyone is just talking about how this is going to be a sequel to Inception, just messing with time. At this point, you know, there's this has to do with time travel in some way, uh, Tenant. Um, and uh, I am just wrapping up season three of Dark, and uh, I, I'm, I'm good with time travel for a little while. I'm very like scarred <laughs> from that. So, I, 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 you know, if it's going to take another month, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you there. Well, hey, fun fact: this is episode six. I believe this is our fourth episode together, though. So that's awesome. Well, that's lovely. Yeah, <laughs> it's our. What do you What do you get for like a fourth episode, like anniversary gift? Is it like? I'm uh, trying to think of like, do we do anniversaries or we do episodes? Because then our first episode <laughs> would have been paper. Um, <laughs> there are two stacks of paper underneath this laptop right now to make me look better. There um, you go. But uh, no, I don't know what the fourth really is. I guess it would be uh, that we give each other the knowledge of movie news. I love that. And we're going to get into that because we have a lot of movie news to cover. And we also are going to talk a little bit more about the announcement earlier today uh, that I made that I'm really excited for that you're going to be a part of at the end of August. So we will tease that here, but talk about it a little bit later on. Uh, but as always, if you are watching live here on YouTube as part of Guy at the Movies Live, we'll be interacting with your comments throughout the show as we can. So please fire away. And if you are listening on uh, podcasts, wherever you can get your podcast, we uh, really appreciate it. Please be sure to subscribe, comment, give those five-star ratings. It really does help us rise uh, in the rankings on those pod podcast platforms. Uh, and we have started actually rising in them a little bit, which is kind of fun. So, you know, watch out. There we go. <laughs> yeah, about to take over the world. When do I put this on my resume? Uh, I already put mine on, I put this on my resume. So, you know, oh, my LinkedIn. Right. <laughs> I'm moving on there. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, let's start off with what we've been watching. Uh, I admittedly have not watched much, but I know that we both watched one movie um, that together, well, not together, but we both watched the same <laughs> movie, uh, The Rental, with uh, Dave Franco's directorial debut, starring Dan Stevens, Allison Brie, uh, and other people. What Toby did you think Huss of it? was in there as well. I don't know who that is. What do you think? What did you think of it? <laughs> so what did I think of this? Um, it's not great. Um, I, so I had a good time. Um, and that's the best thing I could say about it. Um, I originally gave it a B and, uh, normally my algorithm is that, um, like, you know, my, my algorithm for reviews are if everything's perfect, it's an A. Um, if I have one thing wrong with it, it's a B. If there's an equal amount wrong and not wrong, it's a C. One thing right, it's a D, F. Now, with the rental, you know, it looked like it was going to be a C based on the way my review worked. However, I did kind of like it a little bit more than a C, so I gave it a B. Then I thought about it for another day, um, and I thought, uh, 
yeah, this should probably be a C. It's it was an interesting experiment. They had like you know the um, it was written by Dave Franco and Joe Swanberg. Joe Swanberg is famous for improvisational mumblecore, which is a very fascinating uh, like you know genre. It, it, it's now a genre. It wasn't over the past decade um, where you know the actors improvise a lot of the dialogue and stuff. And I think that was an interesting experiment that didn't pay off. Um, I think that, you know, you were talking about how the ending is a little bit of a letdown without saying anything. Yeah. Just sort of, it's, there's, they wanted to go with the disconnect slasher kind of villain and it just didn't really fit with what the rest of this was supposed to be. This movie wanted you to care greatly about characters that you can't care greatly about. And I think that's exactly where I'm at is that those four characters, there's something with each of them that I really didn't like that didn't allow me to really grasp onto any of them and feel for them when they were going through what they ultimately do. So just to back up a little bit, um, the, the film is, you know, about four individuals who rent an Airbnb and chaos ensues. Um, that's, that's my favorite catch all, by the way, for any summary of a movie, like when I don't want to get into spoilers, chaos ensues. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, and there's fun parts of it. Like, I, I think, you know, I put it up. Uh, I didn't put it up yet, but um, my review of it is is going to be a three out of five. It was it was fine. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Um, it was a decent movie. It was a good first outing, I think, for Dave Franco. Um, but uh, I don't know. Just I, the ending really pissed me off. I, I told you that immediately. I was like, I don't <laughs> like this ending. I didn't. It wasn't satisfying whatsoever. But it is what it is. I think that like there is something to take away, and if Dave Franco does have directorial chops, he made something out of what was I, I assume a very limited budget, and he like really came out of there making it look great. And so I'm hopeful for him in the future. Yeah. So tell us about what else you've been watching. You watched a movie that I think I talked about last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I had seen a screener of it, but you watched it when it came out. What did you think? Radioactive. Uh, so uh, yeah, radioactive. Um, Rosamund Pike as uh, Madame Curie. Um, I mean, at the beginning of this movie, it was quite literally like uh, playing biopic bingo. I was like, oh, they're doing that. They're doing that. They're doing that. He's not like the others. And I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Okay. Um, it got to be a little bit creative. It did some things a little bit interesting. As a whole, I was disappointed. Um, I think that, you know, it when you have a weak first act and a weak third act and only a good second act, I think there's a problem there. Um, but uh, it was visually great. I think yeah. that the screenplay just really needed some work. And, you know, when the screenplay is written by a dude and you got a female hero, not to say that dudes can't do that, but uh, it's a little bit tough. I think you're spot on there. And my my biggest takeaway was uh, Rosamund Pike. I thought she was incredible in it. I really liked her. Um, and, you know, I, I look back on it now because I did watch part of it again. And I'm like, all right, I, I get that I was a little, like, over-enthusiastic at the beginning. Um, but I, I did really like her performance. And I think that carried the movie for me. So I, I would love if she was to get considered for something because I, I think that her performance is worthy of that. I really I really do believe that. Um, but I, I don't think that that movie is going to make any waves, unfortunately. So it probably won't. I can see, you know, if it's going to make any sort of waves in what might be a rather, um, you know, barren Oscar year, um, uh, we'll mm-hmm. talk about that later, but, um, it could be a cinematography and a best actress at least considered. And yeah. I think those are the two it should be considered for the two it might be considered for. It would be interesting to see that happen. Yeah. 
The other really interesting category at the Oscars next year is going to be animated film. And I know you just watched one, which probably isn't going to make its way into that category. This, um, <laughs> so, so there's a few things about this. First of all, I looked it up and, and, and apparently this film, uh, let's talk about what it is. It's animal crackers. Um, <laughs> and it's released, uh, it was released in 2017 in China. So, um, this is a, uh, China U S uh, dual, um, you know, dual movie, which, started to make me realize why this is terrible because when when the two countries get together and make a movie in this nature it usually ends up being this like kind of like babble fish mess of where you know it's like not really english not really chinese and you can't really understand what's going on um and this was uh, animal crackers where um a a young boy uh whose uh, uncle uh, is a member of the circus discovers a magical box of animal crackers where if you eat them you turn into a certain animal by the way Awesome premise. I mean, like, I, I was hooked by the premise, but um, the actual <laughs> delivery of this movie was atrocious. Um, the The animation was just unsettling. Um, you have Ian McKellen as, who, by the way, Ian McKellen playing Kelsey Grammer in, um, you know, what I thought was like the weirdest circus conductor of all time. Um, you just have, uh, I, I just looked at this and like, the, the humor was terrible. And it really does help now that it was made in China in 2017. It bankrupted several China studios when they were Chinese studios when they were trying to uh, make it happen, um, and then finally it just like went into this absolute uh, hell where it was just not going to ever get released. And then Netflix picked it up for what I'm assuming was thirteen dollars. Um, <laughs> and I should say I am not the person for this movie. I am a 31 year old childless math teacher. That's not. But like, you gave it an F. Regardless, you gave it an F. So, like, it was that bad? I said, it's tough to get an F. It means you have to have nothing good about this. And I'm here and I'm just watching this and I'm like, this is terrifying with these needle drops of pop songs that are just like horrifyingly inaccurate and don't fit. And that was that was that was a tough one for me. Guess what I'm watching tonight after this? (laughs) Oh, have some fun. I cannot wait for to wake up to several messages from you. (laughs) I'll be like, what the hell? Um, you watched one other one. What was it? So I watched this one. Um, I sort of like this. I think it was like sitting around Netflix for a while. Um, it's called Nobody Knows I'm Here with uh, Jorge Garcia. And if you don't know the name, you may know Hugo from Lost. And he um, puts in this performance as a former child star, um, a former child star singer. Um, and he's dealing with like, you know, life after that as an adult, um, you know, and he's, you know, working on a farm. Uh, it's a very, very, very quiet movie um, to the point where it's like, wait, did, it, did, it, were they, did they explain that event of the plot? Did they like put that plot point in that? No, they didn't. The, I'd see, is, is his uncle dead? Is he alive? Like they haven't really talked about that. And so like, it, it's something that sort of loses focus at a lot of times. Um, I think Jorge Garcia puts in a great performance. Um, the end of the movie, when you you know just sort of realize some of the actions of his character, you say, "All right, he's not even worth redemption." I don't think, but oh boy, you know, it, it, it troubles you and it challenges you as a viewer. So I'd say it, you know, I'd, I'd be curious to see like what people's opinions would be of that one. It for me, it was just something where I once again gave it a C. It's just not really something that you know I'd like I'd like to explore further, but you know. Yeah, those are always interesting movies. I finding so I spend a lot of time searching for a movie to watch on Netflix and and or Hulu and or Amazon Prime Video and or now HBO Max. 
Um, and I'll be like, oh yeah, that sounds good, but maybe I'm not into it right now. Oh yeah, that's on. And I always settle on like a middle of the road movie that I yeah. never heard of before. Um, where I get to the end of it, I'm like, could have done without that. And this sounds like one of those where it's just like, it is. Yeah, it is what exactly. it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, it it was beautiful. It was well done, but it just doesn't really have a lot of the story there. So you know what else is what it is. Ready for these transitions tonight? I'm feeling it today. Oh, I'm loving them already. <laughs> uh, what it, it is, what it is, is our first news story, which is about all the movie release dates that are on the move. So are you ready to jump in the news stories? Let's do them. Let's do them. Have, we have quite a lot. <laughs> um, the first one is about movies that have been on the move. So obviously, uh, we hope that everyone is staying safe and healthy with COVID-19 still being an absolute shit show in this country. Uh, uh, that country being the U.S., for those of you who are listening from the Philippines or elsewhere. Um, but we have gotten recent news. I think we had just talked about it last week with the tenant news that uh, Milan was probably the next one to go. And that actually is what happened. So early or I guess mid last week, we found out that Milan has been removed from the calendar completely is undated. The French dispatch has also been removed from the calendar, which is Wes Anderson's next one. Um, the personal history of David Copperfield has been given a date of August 28th, 2020 in theaters, a theatrical release. I, We'll talk about this in a minute because there's another movie that got it. I just don't think that that's going to happen. Um, Death on the Nile is October 23rd, 2020. The Empty Man, which I have no idea what that is, to be quite mm-hmm. honest. And I should have looked it up. Um, but that's December 4th, 2020. Guillermo del Toro's Antlers, February 19th, 2021. The Last Duel, October 15th, 2021. Avatar 2, December 2022. And that dates the all the way to the fifth Avatar in 2028, which... We will be I, on Pandora at that point. <laughs> right. I, I don't know that I care now. I don't think I'll care then. Um, and then the untitled Star Wars film, which we're, I'm assuming is Taika Waititi's movie that he's working on, um, but it, who knows, was going to be December 2022. That got pushed to December 2023. That's not all. But wait, there's more. Uh, A Quiet Place 2 was moved to April 23rd, 2021. While uh, the next Top Gun, Top Gun Maverick, will bow on July 2nd, 2021. We also found out that um, Jackass, yes, they're making another Jackass movie. I think it's Jackass 5, um, is moving to September 3rd, 2021. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is going to be in theaters April 8th, 2022. And then we found out that Bill and Ted, uh, their, what is it, Bill and Ted Face the Music, is... Going to theaters, whichever theaters are open, but also VOD uh, on September 1st, 2020. So that was all the news that we had received up until we found out that the New Mutants is getting a new theatrical release date, which won't hold, of August 28th, 2020 as well. What do you think of all these dates moving? Like, Are you just like, whatever it is, what it is? Because that's kind of where I'm at. I love the idea that like New Mutants, which like was made in 1974 at this point, <laughs> like, like that's gonna get released. This like New Mutants can't get released in a healthy place where the air isn't toxic, and we're saying that New Mutants is gonna get released during a worldwide pandemic. Oh my god! I mean, I look at this, and I what I see when you read all those is I see that there is a um, movie studios want films released in theaters uh, and they want them desperately released in theaters. Um, I look at this as just something where, you know, 
they will just say, all right, let's move it to next year. If we want them released in theaters, let's move them to next year because, you know, we can't have it happen now. The ones that are in this October, I believe, Personal History of David Copperfield and New Mutants, I think they're either they're going to get eventually moved to 2021 or they are going to um, be on VOD. And I think that's where we're like, you know, I don't think we need the surround sound for the personal history of David Copperfield. I'm very excited to see that movie, but I don't think we need like, you know, Dev Patel doing old English accents and surround sound with probably hysterical dialogue from Armando Iannucci. Like I'm, I'm excited for all of that. And, but well, and that's already been released overseas. So I, I believe, so, yes. you know, I, I think it's only a matter of time for it hits VOD over here. The new mutants is one. I think we have talked about this in the past that I don't know if it's going to go to, I don't know if it can go to VOD. Um, the, the reason I say that is because of uh, something I'd read a while ago about Fox had an agreements with, I think HBO was the main agreement where um, in order the, the next step after theaters for Fox films was HBO before it could go to any other streamer before it could go to VOD or anything of that sort. So they kind of had the first right, um, so I, and I know, I don't think Disney wants to do that. I think they are committed to a theatrical release for it at this point. I mean, the um, one thing I heard is that Disney plus will not be happening for yeah. new, like based yeah. on contracts. Like you were saying that yeah. that's one thing that straight up can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, and quite honestly, I, I think we may have mentioned this last week, but I just also feel like at this point it would be really bad PR for Disney to take this cast and this director that's been dangled for two and a half years uh, give them, you know, and we can move into talking about that now too, but giving them a slot at Comic-Con at home last week, which, uh, did you catch that at all? I wasn't able to, no. So it was a fun panel. I actually really enjoyed it because I the cast is just very likable and the director seems just to really connect with them. And um, they showed some new footage that was actually really good footage, I thought. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think mo- mainly because I'm just rooting for them as like the underdogs right now. <laughs> um, so I don't think that they would set them up like that and then be like, oh, just kidding, we're going to VOD. But at the same time, I can't believe that they gave them an August 28th release date with everything going on in the world, knowing that that's going to get moved. Yeah, it, it just feels like, I mean, I, I think they're reluctant to probably move it back any further because they're like, all right, we moved you back four years already now. But at this point, it's like, well, we're not moving you back because of quality or because of like issues with like contracting or stuff like that. We're moving you back because, you know, the, the world's on fire. So, you know, yeah. let's move you back to 2021. Let's call this a wash. But um, I, I look at something like I, I, I look at Bill and Ted and I think that um, they are the examples we need to follow. A statement I never thought I'd make, but um, <laughs> they are being released in theaters and VOD, and I think that's going to be a future situation where I think that something like uh, like theaters and VOD, at least like you know, if you want your film released in 2020 in theaters, go ahead and release it in 2020 and in theaters. But there's going to be a lot of people that don't want to go to theaters until there's a vaccine for this thing. There's going to be a lot of people that don't want to do that. And so because of those people, what you're going to need to do instead is you're going to need to have the VOD option. Um, uh, Like, you know, in terms of Tenet, it's the same kind of deal. Like Christopher Nolan desperately wants that movie to be in theaters. Like it's, you know, the theaters are the last bastion. They're they're the greatest of cinema. And I agree. There's no better way to see a movie than in theaters and stuff like that. Movies are meant to be seen like from a film projector projected on the side of a cow or whatever the hell. Like no matter what, it's just, you know, yeah, I get it. Like theaters are the thing. Right now they can't be the thing. 
Okay. Right. And I think that, you know, I, I think Nolan really does need to swallow his pride and say, you know what? I'll release it in theaters. And if people want to see it in theaters, they can, but it's not going to make money in theaters. These movies that are being released in 2020 are not going to make money in theaters. They're just not. Yeah. And so like, it's something where you have to face the facts of like, go to 2021, which also, you know, who knows when this vaccine is going to be made. So it's a wash there, but you know, I mean, as of now, go to 2021 and I'm just talking about money. I'm not talking about the artistic freedom, artistic freedom. Yes. Theaters are the most amazing thing in the world. Like, you know, maybe, yeah, I get it. But also, you know, like there's still like cases spiking and stuff. So I, I just look at this with that kind of issue. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. And I mean, you look at what is actually happening with Tenet now. And we found out earlier this week uh, that it's going to release overseas first in 70 countries um, on August 26th. And then it's going to release in theaters here on September 4th, I believe it is. Liberty. Labor Day weekend. Labor yeah. Day weekend. Labor Day weekend. So, I, I mean, uh, but who knows where we're going to be at that point here. Um so at least I, I know the Luke's in the comments now and I know Luke's very excited about it and there's a lot of people that are excited to see it. I do think this works against the idea that it is a tenant sequel though. I don't think they would do this if they were still trying to keep the secret of, yeah. you know, it being a tenant sequel or yeah. I mean a inception sequel. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's happening, but the next step to this conversation is a news story that broke earlier tonight with between universal and AMC um, Universal struck, struck a deal with AMC to reduce the theatrical window. So this is something that we had talked about um, or was talked about. Uh, we weren't in existence as a podcast at that point. Uh -huh. But when when uh, Trolls World Tour, 2021 Oscar winner Trolls World Tour, uh, be, <laughs> was released on VOD, there was uh, a lot of word that Universal was saying that they were they made a ton of money off of it, that it was a great, great move for them. Things were great. Um, the the issue came in with AMC saying like, okay, that's wonderful. But remember, you still need to release future movies in theaters. Um, traditionally, there is a 90 day window where films get released in theaters and then they make their way to other platforms, whether that's VOD, DVD, streaming, whatever it may be. Um, this new deal that Universal struck with AMC reduces that window to three weeks. So 21 days, which is pretty drastic in terms of the reduction but i think that does get to what you were just talking about with a combination of vod and theatrical right so you know the enticements there where maybe you'll have three weeks to go see a film in theaters but you also can wait it out and see it on vod um in just three weeks yeah i mean i i the the issue i look at this is because i'm just you know um as a movie fan, I've been, I've been asked to like, you know, be a business scholar now. And it's just so tough because I don't know what could make money. Like, I don't know if like, you know, the original theaters are what makes money and people have said, well, that's been a dying breed for a little bit of a while um, before all this stuff. Um, will VOD make money though? Cause I don't know, because you know, I sat in my living room and paid $20 for the King of Staten Island, which I enjoyed a lot, but I don't right. think a lot of people are going to like, you know, see an irreverent comedian like for $20, like when they can watch everything else on Netflix. So will VOD actually be the new business model? Will the theater be the new business model? The problem I see is that nobody's willing to try the VOD thing. This is coming from someone who is a theater goer. I desperately want to see a movie in a theater so bad, but you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about I'm just thinking about the big picture here with what's going on right now. Yeah. And you know, I think like you know, try this out. Try Tenant will never happen, but try some of these other movies out as VOD. Um, will they make more money in the theater? I, it's tough to know, 
but that's going to be one of the things where I think this universal deal will be the one, you know, thing that maybe we'll know a little bit more about what would be right. But riffing on that a little bit, how do you think that the subscription services to theaters really factor into that? Because I'm looking at it as a Regal Cinemas, uh, Regal Unlimited subscriber. I pay $25 a month and I can see as many movies as I want. Um, I'm going to go to theaters. If right? I had like, that, I would go to theaters in a heartbeat. I think I spent about $1,000 last year on movie theaters because I don't have anything cool like that. So, Well, and um, it's kind of funny, though. Like that's, I think that was always something seen as like losing money or whatever. But in this case, where we're talking about people maybe not going back to theaters, that ultimately, if you're looking at a $20 uh, VOD rental for The King of Staten Island or Black Widow or Tenet or whatever it may be, hey, $25, I can go to the theater for free. Of course, I'm paying for you know, uh, concessions if I want them or whatever it may be, but still. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that, that's tricky. That like, that, that is the tricky thing. Yeah. I don't have any of those cool deals, but, um, I need to, I need to get myself one of those. Uh, like, <laughs> it's, it's great. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, well, we'll see what happens with theaters. I mean, it's it, it, this whole conversation is, I think, going to be repeated every time that we see a movie go to VOD that was supposed to go to theaters. And I'm sure we'll rehash this again in three weeks when, yeah. you know, you know re- Joe, let, let's put this on ice. Let's put this you stole my transition. That was, was that my literal transition. Was that what you were going to do? That was my literal transition. Oh, I'm very, you know what? <sighs> we're gelling. Okay. We are gelling here. So, All right. Well, putting that on ice, vanilla ice, if you will. Um, Dave Franco, who we mentioned earlier as the uh, first-time director who helmed the rental, is going to be playing Vanilla Ice in a biopic, and that is the story. That is it. <laughs> Are you excited for this? So I, I, I have been waffling back and forth on this. I think you know the the look, the casting. It does seem very solid. Um, yeah, you I, you can't touch the casting. No, you. Oh, my God, Come on. It. it's a Tuesday night. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so, you, you—that's true. You can't touch the casting. Um, but this is, uh, you know, I, I look at this and I say that um, this could go two different ways. On one hand, this could be way too silly comedy, which is what Vanilla, which is what Vanilla Ice deserves. He deserves a way too silly comedy that just makes fun of him. However, I would like something somewhat um, not serious, because obviously his career is not serious at all, but I'd like something genuine that describes yeah. it. And well, he so, did go through a lot of hard times. So I, you know, I imagine that they will be more serious moments. It kind of reminds me a little bit of maybe not quite to this extent, but you know, eight mile, you never thought that you were going to get a, a serious film about Eminem. That was an Oscar contender and look what you got there. Well, thank God. Uh, vanilla ice is not going to be playing vanilla ice in this. <laughs> that would be a little bit rough for me to handle. It would be rough. It would be rough. Well, we'll see. I'm, I think it's kind of an interesting casting. I'm into it. Um, you know, I, I, there's not much fanfare around that, uh, but there's also not much fan- fanfare around Comic-Con at home, which just ended this past weekend. Um, so the statistics are in regarding San Diego Comic-Con's big move to online. It started last Wednesday and wrapped up this past Sunday night. But from what I read, they're going to be doing a few other sessions or continue to do sessions like that, similar to what Wizard World is doing with reuniting casts like the Smallville cast, the Buffy cast and Supergirl cast and things like that. But 
Um, according to Variety, social interactions, and I believe this is just looking at Twitter mentions and Twitter comments and such, it was down uh, 94% from last year. 94%. That's huge. And in addition to that, on YouTube, uh, there were averaging 15,000 views for their videos or for their sessions, which, you know, it sounds like a large number. And, you know, we're sitting here at having like, you know, 50 views a week on our our video at this point. Um, (laughs) Hey, it's us. But but at the same time, I mean, for Comic-Con that gets hundreds of thousands of people, like that is something that is kind of surprising. And in the world of YouTube, very, very low. I think like a lot of people just knew everything already. I don't know if there were huge revelations. Like I heard of a, like I did not get involved in any of the Comic-Con at home stuff, but I, I heard about all the news and it was just like only a couple of big news stories, which we'll talk about. But yeah. really other than that, it was just something where, you know, they, I don't know if it was a poor promotion. Um, I, for, for some reason for me, I just didn't really hear about anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I I watched a few sessions. I watched the New Mutant session. I watched uh, David S. Goyer, the screenwriter of Batman Begins and Man of Steel and things like that. Um, that was a really interesting discussion of how they adapted the comics and stuff like that. News that came out of that was that like the original Man of Steel ending was going to be that he kind of put... Um, Zod into like a cryopod or a cryptopod or whatever they called it and kind of like set him off instead of snapping his neck and killing him. Mm-hmm. Um, they did say like, you know, it was time we needed to mix things up. And that was, you know, we were telling our story and the stakes of the, you know, and that was controversial. It got people talking. Oh, yeah. um, so that was part of the news. But outside of that, I don't really know that there was a lot of news. And then the sessions themselves or the, the hour long 45 minute to hour long videos were pre-recorded. Um, so funny story. I joked around a lot when I was watching the new mutants panel, I was, uh, messaging with, um, Griff Schiller. If you know him, he's on Sean Chandler's podcast, has his own stuff on, uh, I forget the title of it. Oh my God. Don't kill me. Um, Mm -hmm. anyway, he, he and I were talking and I said, you know, I'm half expecting them to announce at the end that this is a, uh, this is going to VOD like, Oh, you know what? (laughs) It's on VOD today, you know? Um, kind of like a Cloverfield paradox, uh, Super Bowl announcement, but, um, yeah, but, uh, then I realized that it was pre-recorded. So I just fast forwarded to the end (laughs) and I was like, Oh, that news would have been out already. Got it. Great. Um, but yeah, it just, it it wasn't, wasn't that interesting. I mean, I know that Comic-Con part of the, the love for it is kind of being part of the geek fest and being there and cosplaying and seeing people and meeting people. And I, I totally understand that, but I don't know. I, I valiant effort, but I don't think that it's, it was, it went off like they wanted it to. Yeah. Cause for me, Comic-Con is all about just hearing all of the movie news. And so like, you know, yeah. like all of a sudden just be online and they'll be like this, you, this trailer dropped and this trailer dropped. And so I'll be very excited. And this time it was like, you know, Oh, the suit's black. Like it, it, there was nothing else really like too big for me. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you there. Um, I, I just don't really understand exactly what they were thinking was going to be like the big takeaways. The problem I think was that a lot of the studios that usually go, I mean, Marvel's usually one of the biggest there, right? If not the biggest and they didn't go, yeah. um, they weren't present. So I don't know. What's interesting is that what kind of rivaled it a little bit and made more noise um, and had more news come out of it was Justice Con, which was organized by uh, the Nerd Queen server on Instagram and YouTube. 
Um, but they had, you know, Ray Fisher who plays Cyborg. They had Zack Snyder, director of uh, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and uh, Justice League, and his upcoming release, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, it was it was actually a lot of fun. I mean, it was fan organized, which is cool. Um, they had other actors as well. That like the one that I think portrayed uh, Dark Side, if I'm if I'm correct. I don't know. Um, but some of the news that came out of that was with Zack Snyder in particular. He talked about the movie itself. He showed a, cl- uh, a minor clip, which was kind of cool. It was uh, black suited Superman, which had long been um, expected in his uh, in his movie. Um, they he talked about the fact that at Fandom we're going to get a teaser, like an official teaser. Um, we're going to get things like uh, you know more uh, more announcements about whether or not it's going to be a series or an actual uh, movie. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a series because from what we understand from I think uh, Grace Randolph's um, interview last week, it is a uh, there's 214 minutes of footage at least. So it does sound like it's going to be a series just reading between the lines with that news and then other things that he had said as well about, you know, if, if it was a series, you could piece it together and watch it like a movie. So it does sound like it's leaning that way. Um, and also that we're going to get an official title announcement. So because it's not, it sounds like it's not going to be Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, I assume that because it is a series, they're going to make the uh, make the change in the name. So that news came out, and then Ray Fisher had also made uh, allegations against Joss Whedon a couple weeks ago on Instagram uh, of unprofessional behavior and um, other things on the set of Justice League when he took over for Zack Snyder. And he spoke a little bit about that as well um, during his his interview this past week. And he basically said that the wheels are turning on that, and there's uh, an investigation going on, and um, people are talking and that he spent years working behind the scenes to get people willing to talk. And, you know, we haven't heard Joss Whedon come out. Um, he made the comment, uh, he being Ray Fisher, that he thinks Joss is scared. And um, it, it was it was pretty newsworthy. I mean, whether, you know, not knowing where that's going to go, um, it, it was just a newsworthy event. And I think the, the other thing, I didn't write this on guidetomovies.com, but I thought it was really funny, was long and the short of it, um, Zack Snyder essentially said, like, I am not using any fucking cut quote um, from or uh, or anything that was filmed by Joss Whedon. This is all going to be what I filmed and all what I did. Uh, and, you know, I would rather f- I think he said, like, I would rather fucking destroy the film. <laughs> um, and it was just kind of funny. So uh, he's a very laid back guy and it, it was kind of cool. But what do you make of all that? That, you know, Justice Con more of a splash it sounds like than comic-con at home yeah i mean it's it's funny like the one piece of news i got like from what i thought was comic-con was actually from justice con it was the <laughs> so like that, that shows you how much justice con had is that that's the big that's the big uh, news i got um i mean when it comes to uh you know we've 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 talked about the snyder cut a little bit i'm someone that like you know did not like justice league that much um i don't know if a snyder cut can do much better i'll watch it i'll be happy to see what can what can change there um i mean my my issue with like you know the justice league was just that you know i wanted to see you know an aquaman movie beforehand i really really wanted to see a cyborg movie because that was a very compelling character like you know for someone that doesn't know anything about comics I, i was watching the justice league and i was like I want to see this guy's movie. 
It's lovely. Like he's great. Like there's there's some conflict there. There could be something fun there. And so um and so them all joining up didn't really feel that you know powerful considering not many people had their own movie in it. Um, I mean that that's my that's my uh, yeah it makes sense. Um, but when it comes to the Justice Con stuff, I um, you know I'm I'm still looking forward to you know the Snyder Cut. Um, I don't know if it could be a movie or a show. I think you know honestly. Keep, keep it a movie. I think that can get too complicated as like, you know, sometimes these episode like shows can get a little bit too lost. Um, in terms of the Ray Fisher allegations, um, this is very interesting because I think that, um, you know, it's just so interesting how Joss Whedon has become like an enemy of the comic book culture when he like did Avengers. And then, you know, people started to hate him after Ultron. And then, you know, this happened, uh, it just got a little bit worse uh, or now a lot worse. And um, I look at this and I see, um, uh, you know, this might have been the culture of directors in the past, and this is kind of like something we see a lot with uh, Stanley Kubrick, David O. Russell, and you know, the, like they're just like abusing their actors; they're just treating them like absolute crap and stuff like that, and you know, just saying horrible things. And so, I think this was like uh, not not to excuse like well, that's the way it was back in the day, but uh, <laughs> more of just sort of saying like you know, th this is this was a culture that was the case. I think it's better now. I think directors are a little bit more. Uh, proper with their actors. I think a lot of them were to begin with, but I think that, you know, there used to be that, like, I want to incite an emotional performance by just like, you know, treating them like absolute shit. And, you know, that's no longer what the case is going to be. And so yeah. I think that's what this was. Maybe, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was, but it was only what three and a half years ago. If that, yeah. Oh yeah. That's exactly. the crazy part. I think unfortunately that's still what a culture was back then. I mean, yeah. maybe that's what Whedon was. I never imagined Whedon to be that kind of guy, but like, you know, I'm going to believe allegations because why would you want to do allegations? Why would you want to say that? Like, you know, you're not really collecting a payday. You, you're putting your career on the line. So I'd say like, you know, yeah, the investigation's being launched. I'd like to see what happens, but uh, you know, I think Fisher is uh, up on that one. Yeah. Like, I think I, he's uh, right. Yeah. I'm with you. I think, you know, he, I think he even came out and said, um, I don't care what this does to my career. Like, I just want this out there and, um, you know, more power to him with that. Um, but to your, your comment about cyborg and stuff, the nice, nice thing is that, uh, the original, uh, Zack Snyder's original cut was said to have cyborg as the heart of the film. Um, and that there's a lot more of him. And that's apparently one of the major things that got cut. Um, which also is part of the retaliation against Ray Fisher for releasing all this, being like, "Oh, you're just doing this because your stuff got cut." And he was like, "I don't give a shit about that." But that's interesting. I, you know, that's a very interesting wrinkle. Now, now yeah. I'm excited for it. Should be interesting, as should next award season. And uh, what we just found out recently, after finding out that the Oscars were pushed back next year and that the timelines were moved, was that the uh, Golden Globe Awards have revealed their new timeline for, I think it's their 78th annual awards. Um, they're going to be on February 28th. Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are hosting again, which I'm pumped for. Mm. Uh, I love them. Um, but they are going to, let me see, announce nominations on February 3rd. Um, the eligibility... Mm -hmm. This doesn't totally make sense to me. It's also oh. officially extended its English and foreign language motion picture eligibility period to February 28th. 
Yep. So here's the thing, like, you know, people can, you know, people will be able to see it a little bit earlier and stuff like that. Cause you know, when you think about it, uh, let's, let's think about last year's golden globe in 1917 won best drama and best and that wasn't in theaters yet. And so like people saw it in the festivals and you know, the voters were able to see a lot earlier with screeners and stuff like that. So in other words, like, you know, it's eligible until February 28th, but you know, like they'll be able to see screeners. So February 28th meeting, you and I can see it on February 28th, but gotcha. you know, that'll be it. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, not much that's surprising here. I think we expected them to push things back. Um, I think that piece is actually pretty good. It's nice to hear them making those changes that I think will allow for a more involved show. Um, whereas we're not like seeing, seeing movies win awards and we're like, Oh great. That sounds great. Can't wait to see it when it comes out. Um, so that would be good, but I love award season. I'm ready for it. I'm so excited. Like, this is going to be the weirdest award season ever. We talked about like a lot of the film festivals being canceled last uh, um, last week, and I um, and how that's going to just change like promotion. It's not going to change like what films are going to be, you know, put in there and stuff like that. But it's going to change the promotion. It's going to change like you know who's going to be like you know hobnobbing with which uh, exec. And I think like with uh, the Golden Globes doing this is you know one of the big things where it's just you know they they respect the Oscars, the Oscars are God and everyone follows God. And I think um you know what's interesting is the Golden Globes are still keeping their TV eligibility until December 31st. And so yeah. they're saying like you know yeah we don't we don't really care about TV. But like, you know, when it comes, like, but when it comes to the movies and stuff like that, they're like, no, of course. So this was primarily a movie decision. This is, shows that the movies are the primary example. The Oscars are the reason they're doing this. And yeah, uh, yeah this was a little bit of news that I just thought was, uh, you know, kind of interesting. It definitely is. I mean, it's it's exciting to know that we're still going to get an award show, right? Like I, I, with movies and TV being what it is. I mean, we're seeing a lot of TV development has been pushed back as well. Um, that's why we're getting, you know, for instance, CBS is moving forward with uh, Big Brother's All Stars because they can control that, right? Like they can get the group together and quarantine them and all that jazz. Um, Isn't it but, great that reality uh, TV stars are going to obey quarantine better than the rest of America? Like, yeah, correct. <laughs> correct. <laughs> I was like, can I go, please? <laughs> uh, but somewhere else I want to go is to the movies. When this movie comes out, it is Billy Eichner playing Paul Lynn in A Man in the Box. Uh, and, you know, Paul Lynn was a staple on the uh, Hollywood Squares show. Um, he, hilarious. And he was also on Bewitched. Uh, and now he's going to be the subject of this upcoming movie, Man in the Box, portrayed by Billy Eichner, who is also, I believe, going to produce... Um, it's going to explore his life as a gay actor and the impacts his sexual orientation had on his acting career, um, namely that he wasn't offered specific roles and was kind of placed on this like do not hire list because of how he portrayed himself and how how he was as a person. Um, I'm excited for this. It, this casting is just so perfect. Um, I, I, I don't know how well Eichner can do drama. I don't care how well Eichner can do drama. Um, I, I'm like blown away by like, you know, just, just very, very loud, flamboyant gay. It's just so perfect. Like, and um, I look at this and I, I think, to, um, you know, first of all, Eichner is just saying like, you know, it's just great that like, you know, gay actors can play gay roles. And that is something true. And um I think that what's interesting about Eichner, or not Eichner, excuse me, not definitely not Eichner, um, about Paul Lind, Lind is technically he died in the closet. Like he, you know, he never came out. And so there's that painful aspect to it. And, you know, can Eichner play that painful aspect? And, you know, 
I'd have to say that, you know, a, a straight person probably couldn't and someone yeah. like Eichner probably could. And I really love the idea of uh, this one. I, I just think, you know, I, they don't even look too much the same, but just their, their attitudes alone. I'm just very excited to see what this could be. Yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, he, Paul Lind is a, a character in, in and of himself, um, but it will be kind of fun to see him portrayed by someone else who has made his career. He started his career, I should say, being like that loud, like, you know, running up to people on the street and going crazy <laughs> and unapologetically himself. So I think that's a good fit. Um, so the next one, though, the next story here, uh, if, you know, if I'm understanding this correctly and all the facts are falling into place. Um, <laughs> no, get out. That one was a stretch. Wow. Um, there's a movie coming out about Tetris. So um, I'll repeat that. There's a movie coming out about Tetris. So Taron Egerton is going to play uh, the, uh, what, the the man creator. that, what's that? I believe he's the creator of Tetris. I believe he's playing the creator. Yeah, I believe he's, Yes, that's right. So he's the video game designer. Uh, the guy's name is Hank Rogers. Um, and it was the the man that secured the rights to distribute Tetris on video game consoles. Uh, I believe there was like a back and forth about the rights for a while. So it became very contested. And that's um, that's the focus. Um, but I like Taron Egerton. I'm a big fan of his. I, I loved him in Rocketman. I thought he was fantastic in that. Rocketman was great. I feel like he just missed out on that Oscar, which was very mm. unfortunate. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think with this, I think what's great about this is this has like the same, same, you know, cloud over it as the um, social network where it's going to be like, oh, it's the Facebook movie. It's a movie <laughs> about Facebook. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. This isn't just a movie about Facebook. This is a movie about the creation of Facebook. So, you know, this is a very important exercise in, oh, my God, please read the article instead of the title. Because for the longest time, until I prepared, uh, you know, a couple of uh, minutes ago, um, I thought this was a Tetris movie in the same vein as uh, video game adaptations where uh, Taron Egerton was trying to be that squ uh, straight square, trying to fit into like you know one of the situations here. I was very worried this was a straight-up Tetris adaptation movie. Or like and, a Pixel sequel. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that's what it would have to be. So thankfully, this is something about him. And so I think this could be like something that's very interesting. And yeah. you know, maybe they can... <laughs> I don't know. They can like bring the plot into Tetris and be like, you know, how will I be able to fit in? And it's like, and then he looks is at the a, Is this a Donald Trump impression that you're doing or like what? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, this is like, a, I've been, I think I'm a little bit jaded today. I'm just mad that, you know, like, you know, international audiences are going to see Tenet before us. And so I've just been like, you know, just very, very cagey today. I think, I don't know. Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. <laughs> All right, before we get to our last uh, or to our, our big topic that we wanted to discuss, which I think is going to be a lot of fun, um, we did have another actress pass away this past week. Um, two time Oscar winner, uh, Olivia de Havilland. She was Gone with the Wind, The Adventures of Robin Hood, The Snake Pit, and The Heiress. Um, she passed away at the ripe old age of what? Was it? Was she 96? Or was she 104? That's right. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if I want to live that long. She, oh God, no. Um, when, when it comes to Olivia de Havilland, like I think when uh, Kirk Douglas passed away, we said that's the uh, last um, you know link to the golden age of Hollywood. And then Olivia was just sitting in her home in France, being like, "What the hell? 
Like, so, yeah. so she, but she is actually, and you know, it's been reported. She is truly the last link to the golden age of Hollywood. And this was the last one to go. And uh, she, um, she's important for her, you know, iconic role in, you know, gone with the wind and, you know, should have won the Oscar for that one. It was just something that was just like an amazing performance. Um, I think what's really important about her is she was very, very, very big into, um, you know, SAG after rights. And uh, yeah. she, um, she basically like said like, you know, you're screwing up our contracts. Cause you know, back then studios owned humans and uh, you know, they said, you know what? I'm not going to work anymore. And she didn't work for a good, like seven or eight years, which you know, she kind of like, you know, just bucked the system there. And it was just kind of at that time to do that as a woman, a woman, women weren't allowed to talk in that time. Like, and you know, it was just amazing that she was able to do something where it was like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I'm going to try to fight for the actor's rights. And there's the reason they have like SAG and stuff like that. And, you know, people will say now that like, you know, Oh, the actors need rights and stuff like that. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Well, you know, they're still artists. They don't want to like, you know, get like roped into something they don't want to do. And, you know, I think Olivia was a lot a part of that. So. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, it was 1940, I think, and it was Warner Brothers that she uh, had the court case against and she had a victory. But the long and the short of it, um, my geeky lawyerness is coming out here, but (laughs) the the long and the short of it was that she had a seven-year contract with Warner Brothers and she wanted out of it when it expired, but they said that um, they the contract was only active when she was working. And when she wasn't working, she wasn't under the contract. Uh, which I believe led to her not working for many years so that she could officially get out of it. But it, you know, you know what I mean? So um, it's, it's fascinating because back then you're right. Like studios owned, pretty much owned the actors and actresses and could control their careers. And um, she was one of the ones to stand up and she was young when she did that. Right. She was what? 23, I guess she had to have been maybe no, no, no. Maybe even yeah. 23, I think 23 around there. Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But, um, hey, what a life lived. 104 years old. Oh my God. Died in her home. Like, not in a hospital or anything like that. Died in her home in France. Like, man. Absolutely crazy. Well, let's get to our big topic this week, because I think this will be a lot of fun to talk with. Um, and we will run through some of this and uh, wrap up with some of our, our regular announcements of events coming up, this week's releases and all that. But before that... We got some news about Thor Love and Thunder, which I'm very excited about. Taika Waititi is directing. Natalie Portman is returning. Natalie Portman was on, I believe it was uh, Serena Williams' Instagram, and as one does, and she was discussing uh, her preparation for the movie. She mentioned that they will start filming uh, next, uh, next year at some point. Um, and then she also just talked about uh, having to start working out and get, you know, get fit because she's going to be playing uh, female Thor, who is uh, the mighty Thor uh, in the comics. But then we also heard from Taika Waititi, who said that um, the script is pretty much done. He's doing a final pass over it this week. Um, and he called it crazy and romantic and said that it was like something he wanted to do because he hasn't done something like this before. And he likes to challenge himself was the long and the short of it. Um, but Hey, I love Thor Ragnarok. So I'm excited for what he does with this one. So the, the Thor films are probably like, you know, 
some of my favorite ones in the Marvel Universe, only for like how we can look at them as a snapshot. If we look at the first one, I remember when the first Thor, like they they released the images in the trailer. I was like, I'm not seeing this. <laughs> this is, this looks horrible. And um, you know, it's Kenneth Branagh doing something. And you know, I think the first Thor, it it didn't take itself too seriously. Not not to the level of uh, Ragnarok. We'll get there in a second, but you know, it didn't take itself too seriously. And then Dark World came around, and you know, Dark World took itself too seriously, and just was a bit of a mess, I think. Um, and then um, you know, you have then of course Ragnarok, which did not take itself seriously at all, which is what a Thor film should be. This is a god that picks up a hammer, and that only he can pick up him and you know Cap, and it's <laughs> one of the most ridiculous crap in the world, and especially with Ragnarok, where he's sent to a different world, where you know. You should just be having fun with these. I think with Love and Thunder, it's going to be just this absolute opus for Taika Waititi. Because I think when it comes down to it, first of all, when we look at the Natalie Portman character, you know, it just hasn't really fit that well throughout. Um, I mean, the first one, solid. Second one, oh, God. Third one, they just decided to forget about her. And I think that, you know, she deserves better. I think that, you know... It would be interesting to see her in this as, you know, yeah, the the woman Thor. I think that, like, just sounds like an amazing, like, you know, just sort of trilogy moment for her. Not trilogy at this point, but just a great character arc for her. Um, I just love the idea of her in there. Um, I love the idea of crazy and romantic. Just have, right. have Thor fall in love again because, you know, Thor, you know, in the other, not the Thor movies, but in the other movies, he has quite the uh, downward spiral. So it would be great for him to just kind of like, you know, come back up from that. Cause he, he came back up from that by fighting Thanos. He's like, you know, now he's really like, you know, he's like, okay, I got my confidence back a little bit. I gave, um, you know, I gave uh, Asgard to, um, to Tessa Thompson. So now I'm going to like, you know, do my own thing. Let's go with this. And so I love the idea of um, this thing where they're just saying, you know what, let's bring back Natalie Portman. Let's have Thor in there. Like, let's let's do this thing right. And I, I love that idea. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of questions that are out about what this movie is even going to be about, right? Like, who who's going to be the villain? Who is, uh, you know, how are they going to bring Natalie Portman back into the picture, her character back in? She was not happy with how her character was handled in the second one, then yeah. probably watched Thor Ragnarok and was like, damn it. <laughs> I should have been a part of that. Um, and, you know, they did bring her back through old footage in uh, Avengers Endgame to kind of wrap that up a little bit. But I think it's fun that she's coming back. I think there's a lot of potential. There's still, um, you know, uh, when we last saw Thor, he was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So what will that look like in the movie? Um, but it's it's kind of fun to see where they're going to go because it really is an open field right now for them. Um, we have Phase 4 coming, right? We have a ton of movies that have been announced. A lot of things are going to be uh, are, are obviously delayed. Um, but we know that we're getting Black Widow uh, sometime at the end of the year is, I guess, the plan. The Eternals is set for uh, February. We have Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Ten Rings have already been teased in the Marvel Universe uh, way back when. I think Iron Man 3, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then a bunch of other ones. But um, I have the list here. Why don't we walk through the upcoming Marvel movies and let's talk about how excited we are for them slash not excited at all. Ready? Let's do it. We've talked Black Widow a little bit, but uh, Scarlett Johansson finally getting her leading lady uh, Marvel film. Uh, Florence Pugh is in the movie as well. Uh, rumors heavily suggest that she's going to be taking over the mantle of Black Widow moving forward. 
Uh, Taskmaster is the Taskmaster is the villain uh, who looks awesome. Um, <laughs> who pretty much adapts from uh, other uh, studying up other characters and things like that, or other superheroes. Um, and then David Harbour's in it as well with Raquel Weiss. So it's a great cast. This one, this one really does. First of all, the cast looks great. You know, this is the one where we saw plenty of trailers because we thought we'd be seeing it by now. And um, I absolutely love the idea of this one. There's yeah. people who are just like, you know, like, this is too late or why now? And it's like, yeah, it is too late. It should have happened earlier. But you know what? We're getting a fun action movie. Right, right. I'm into it. Um, that, I'm really excited for that one. I think the Eternals might be one that I'm really pumped for. I mean, it's a it's a loaded cast. Um, the notably for me, it's I think it's fun that Angelina Jolie is stepping into the Marvel universe, um, but also Richard Madden, who is one of my favorite actors out there. I've said before, I think he's going to be the next James Bond. Um, Kit Harrington is making his way in as well. Um, Kamal Mijani is coming in as well. There's there's just a lot of good cast members in that, but it is a property that I don't know much about. That's my thing is like, I'm looking through this list, like not to get too ahead, but I really don't know much about a lot of these properties, which is what has me excited. Like if I saw here, like, you know, if I, if I just saw like Captain America four, which actually can't happen, but you know, like all, like if I saw like a bunch more of those, it'd be like, okay, cool. I'll go see him. But I like that. I don't recognize these. So with the Eternals, yeah, the cast sounds great. I like that. They're doing a little bit more free form for phase four. This is what phase four is all about. You just did a tightly, neatly packed phase three. You know, you, 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 you put an end to it. You put the perfect ribbon on it. Go have some fun now. You ended your relationship. Go have some fun. <laughs> like Marvel, Marvel's having their single phase right now. Get a little weird. <laughs> Get a little weird. Do some Eternals. Let's go. Swipe right a few times. See what happens. Oh. Um, yeah, we are. I, I do like that. They're definitely blowing up the universe a little bit or expanding it is the better way to say it with some properties that we haven't seen before. Um, and you know, skipping ahead when we get to the Doctor Strange sequel, uh, which is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, we're finally getting into that multiverse idea, which actually was teased a little bit in Spider-Man Far From Home with Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, the other piece that we're not touching on here, but we have to remember as well, is that we have Disney Plus series coming that are really going to factor into this. And one of the ways that it's expected um, or rum- heavily rumored uh, that it will that they'll factor in is with uh, the Scarlet Witch probably factoring in as a big bad of the next phase and really coming into uh, into play in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, what do you think about that one? Well, so that, that's the one thing I look at is um, you know the, these two shows the the big two shows that are coming out are the um, you know uh, WandaVision and um, they have um, and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, why are you why are you ignoring Hawkeye and Loki? Are those actually coming out? Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that like I I knew there were eventually planned, but all I know is that like Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision, they've got like trailers cooking for those things. <laughs> they, they've got like, you know, they've got images going. So those things are ready. Yeah. We know like, you know, I know the other ones are coming out as well. But um and I think those might affect the movies though. That's the one thing. Like those might yeah. affect, like you know, what's going on with the movies. I mean, let's hope, that, like you know, Black Widow won't affect because that's a prequel. But you know, and probably not the few other. Maybe it doesn't affect the movies. 
Yeah. I well, I, I think I think it does, and what we're seeing is that you know Winter Soldier uh, or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I think, has been delayed, but the uh, WandaVision is still planned. I think for this uh, this fall, I believe. So, um, there, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm sure they intertwine. They have said before that they're going to intertwine the movies and the TV shows. So there has to be some sort of plan that they're figuring out. I mean, we haven't even heard anything about She-Hulk yet, but She-Hulk is rumored to factor in down the road as well. What about uh, this Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? I don't know much about it. I, I looked I, it up. Aquafina's in it, which I'm psyched. That's You know what? I am very excited for that. Um, I'm also just very excited for, that, for another property that I don't know much about. I think yeah. that's why I really enjoyed the first three phases is because there were some films that I didn't know a lot about the characters. Um, but even when I didn't know a lot about them, they were still characters that I recognized. Shang-Chi is not one that I recognize as much. And I'm, I'm saddened to say that I don't, but I'm excited that we are going to get a culturally different show, uh, that also pushes, uh, positive cultural recognition and brings in a whole nother piece of this earth that we haven't really focused on. Um, I think Black Panther did a great job of that with representation and really showing what a film can be when it's not like a, you know, built white man, um, which is the stereotype of uh, of a comic book movie. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really, really something different. Um, they, I don't know enough about it, and I have kind of kept myself from researching it just because mm-hmm. um, I want to be a little bit surprised. But then again, I do have my like Marvel encyclopedia right over here, and I might look at it <laughs> after this now that I said that. I'm looking at uh, the other ones, and um, I didn't even answer your question about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> that, that, that sounds amazing. Because yeah. I'm looking at something like that, and it's just like, oh yeah, no, the trippy Doctor Strange movie, and it's just like, oh, they're gonna just get into like, you know, oh, they're literally calling it Multiverse of Madness, so they're already like, you know, just yep. they're doubling down on the craziness, which I'm all in for, and leaning into a little horror, and Sam Raimi's directing, so it is going to be, yep, so it's gonna be interesting, um, Spider-Man Three, which essentially is the sequel to Far From Home, uh, which is a sequel to Homecoming. I think that got pushed a little bit. I think it's December of 2021 that we're expecting that movie. Um, but you know, where when we left when we last left off, uh, <laughs> his um, his character uh, or I guess his identity had been revealed um, with J. Jonah Jameson in the uh, credit scene of Far From Home. So. You know, where they go with this is anyone's guess. I think there's been a lot of talk about Daredevil coming in and possibly representing him. Um, a lot of people believe that we're getting Craven down the road. Uh, there's been talks of a Craven separate movie. Will Craven factor into this movie? Uh, what do you think about that? Are you enjoying the Spider Man series? I mean, you know, I love the Spider Man series. I think Tom Holland is excellent. And I uh, will say this right now is that Spider Man is the, uh, the future center of the Marvel Universe. Um, Interesting. Even with Sony. So, well, that, that that could be a problem in there, but <laughs> that that could be and almost was a tremendous problem. I think um, my issue, like not my issue, excuse me. I think the reason why I, uh, you know, say Spider-Man is the center is, you know, I think I gave this example last time where it was just like, you know, once again, I went to see Spider-Man like on a Sunday afternoon all alone and just, I mean, packs of teenage girls yep. went to see this and they could not give a flying shit about Mysterio. And, you know, like th- then when, you know, J. Jonah Jameson at the end, you know, J.K. Simmons comes up there, I was just like, ah! they all turned back and like, what? 
<laughs> so they're like, no, they don't care. They care about Tom Holland and Zendaya. Oh, excuse me, uh, Emmy nominee Zendaya, which I'm all for. Um, <laughs> and I, I just look at this and, uh, you know, something like Spider-Man is just, that's capturing the younger audience. That's capturing that younger audience. And so, you know, he's got enough of that personality. He's got enough of that, you know, charisma to, you know, work his way in there. And so I think that, you know, yeah, that's true. That's a big trap door is Sony. Sony's a giant trapdoor, but I would say like in terms of like the center of Marvel and also, you know, from, from a story point, Tony Stark wanted Peter Parker to be the next, you know, like center of all of this. Yeah. And so I think that something like that, like, you know, so those Spider-Man movies and yeah, I, far from home had its flaws. It was not as good as uh, homecoming in my opinion, but um, oh, see, I'm the opposite. You, you liked it more. I liked it more. See, I, I, I didn't like a little bit of the forced comedy, you know, with uh, Martin Starr and J.B. Smoove. I was just like, they're hysterical. They're, they are very funny. But I was like, that didn't fit. <laughs> but uh, oh, man. I, I, honestly, like I, I still I still loved it. And I, I still think that, yeah, someone like him is going to really be the center there. Will Venom pop up in this movie? Well, that's a Sony question. Um, they're working towards it. We know that's happening down the road at some point. That's going to be a tough one. Um, that's going to be one that because of like all like, you know, business news in Hollywood, we won't be spoiled. We'll be spoiled by. We'll, we'll know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. But uh, if they can pull off. Disney buys Sony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, why not? A um, couple others that we haven't talked about. Black Panther 2. Uh, the big rumor with this is that we are going to see the introduction of Namor, which is, you know, the Atlantean that... Uh, is kind of similar in a lot of ways to, I guess, think of Aquaman in the DC universe. Um, but what we have learned with, um, or what has been teased with Namor and with Black Panther is that there was there were tremors off of the coast of Wakanda um, back in, I think, Avengers Endgame. So that a lot of people took that as being a hint towards what's coming down the road. And I would be all for that, um, to get an Atlantean Wakanda uh, war. That would be a lot of fun. Well, it would be cool to see, like, you know, fantasy worlds facing off and stuff like yeah. that I mean, basically what we got in uh you know black panther one but i honestly you know at this point black panther two ryan coogler is involved cool i'll watch it yep. I'll, see it. I'll love it like i'm totally yeah. i i just watched that again recently it was on um oh god i don't know like usa or tnt or one of those channels that just plays everything over and over again um the casting for that was so good oh, god, and yeah. i i loved michael b jordan as killmonger uh mm -hmm. and wish that he could come back in some way but you know it is marvel so who knows but um he was just such a great villain um and i i, I love his just his i guess his energy for mm. the villain role like it was so different and even one of the comments like that i think he may have ad-libbed but when he sees his aunt and he goes hi auntie like oh. randomly i lost it because that was just so funny but so oh. like you understand like this guy's here and he means business well, I, I think what was great about him is that you sort of like those are the villains that you under, you, you get and you understand him. And, you know, oh, wait, he's doing some pretty bad stuff here and here. But like for the most part, the actual like, you actually kind of understand what he's going for. And I think those are the most impactful villains without a doubt. Yeah. I'm with you there. Um, Captain Marvel, too. What are your thoughts? So Captain Marvel, I liked. Um, I think, uh, you know, it got it got itself lost in the weeds a little bit in the third act. Like you was talking with a mentor who was a computer, who was a mentor. I think there's a lot of cool things about Captain Marvel. 
was like, at some point, I think I watched that on Friday at nine o'clock and I was like, what's happening? Um, but I think, um, you know, I, I personally do like Brie Larson. Um, I think I like that she plays the role flat. I know no one else does. No, I do too. <laughs> I'm with you. Like it's just one of those things where she's just like you know yeah the scrolls are uh, invading and stuff like she she just doesn't give a shit and she because she's like you know I think the problem with Captain Marvel and it's just one of these things where I, I saw it in Endgame and stuff is like oh no she could defeat everything all the time everywhere and mm. you know the weaknesses aren't really there and so that part of it's just like you know le- makes for like not a lot of conflict like I mean even Superman's got freaking you know green rocks like it's just one of those things where that's uh, referred to as kryptonite thank you <laughs> I do. you know I, I just sort of like you know felt you correct me on that one so i'm gonna let you go for that no you know i'm with you on that i i think that maybe this is me being cynical but the the use of captain marvel and the introduction of her at the time that they that they did i think a lot of it was in response to not having much representation in uh in, in the marvel universe to be quite honest and i think that you're right with captain marvel being someone who is the um you know she can pretty much defeat thanos single-handedly and um why would you even want to introduce her sooner i kind of get that point but at the same time um I, you know, it made sense when she popped in when she did at the end of Endgame. I completely forgot about her until she popped in. Um, I do think it was much ado about nothing with them, like, you know, teasing her at the end of Infinity War, uh, her movie coming out, and then, you know, her not really being in Endgame much at all. Yeah. Um, it, it, it did kind of frustrate me, which leans me more towards thinking, you know, they're, they probably just wanted to get this character in there. I think the rest of her um, cinematic journey in Marvel is probably going to be um, off world. I think we're going to see a lot more um, intergalactic stuff with her. Um, and I also see where I also think we're going to see more Maria Rambo who kind of takes over the mantle a little bit um, mm-hmm. and has a different, different personality, different challenges and things like that. So um I, I want to see what they do with it. I, I heard like rumors a while ago, or I read somewhere, and I don't know if they were ever substantiated, but that they wanted to try to get Spider-Man in the movie as well. Um, and this was a while ago, but they wanted to make... As I'm saying this, I'm realizing how problematic even like repeating it is, but they wanted to make her more likable, which oh, is yeah. uh, the total, you know sexist thing to say yo should she smile more in the yeah, you should smile more <laughs> God, I, I i hate people i hate fanboys that like you know flooded rotten tomatoes before the movie even came out saying it was terrible because they couldn't handle the fact that they were going to watch a female superhero kick ass <sighs> anyway um the last movie that we know is on its way is blade uh which was a surprise announcement last year at um uh comic-con um, not this year, year's Comic-Con because there was a 94% dip in social interaction. But uh, we know that we're getting Blade. Uh, Wesley Snipes played Blade back in, was it the late 90s, I believe it was? I believe uh, it was the late 90s, yeah. Yeah, uh, which is interesting, right? Because it's a totally different type of character for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we also know that we're getting X-Men down the road. So, you know, we really are about to get into some uncharted territory when it comes to the type of heroes that... Uh, we've seen, or the type of characters in general that we've seen. I'm not even sure if this is a phase four. I think this is just something like way into the future. Yeah, it is way into the future. Because like since that uh, announcement, I haven't heard anything about it. And that announcement was that Mahershala Ali was playing Blade, which is 
the greatest announcement I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> but well, and apparently that was him, his idea. I think he yeah. like pushed for it, which means so. he's going to get an Oscar nomination for it. Cause he doesn't not get Oscar nominations, which that's cool. But like, you know, right on, let's do this thing. <laughs> yeah. If you were to pick one out of uh, phase four, so we'll remove Blade from it. Um, and even, I, I don't think Black Panther 2 and Captain Marvel 2 are considered phase four, to be honest. Um, maybe they are, maybe they're not. But out of that list, what's most interesting to you? What are you most excited for? So I, I think mm, it's tough because it's either going to be the Eternals or Thor, Love and Thunder. I think I'm going to go with the Eternals just because I don't know anything about them. And yeah, so that's, that's, my, that's what I'm excited about. That's where I'm at too. Um, I, I'm really excited for the Eternals. Maybe I'm also excited for Doctor Strange and a Multiverse of Madness because I do think that's going to really open things up. Um, and I'm wondering if that's also uh, this is this has been a prediction of mine for a while. I think that's where we're getting X Men. I think we're going to get some hint of something in there. Um, maybe a crossover of some sort that you know introduces the X Men into our world or whatnot. But I think that we're going to see something there. I also think. Um, I don't know if Spider-Man 3 is coming out before Doctor Strange. Um, maybe it is Doctor Strange. Yeah, so Doctor Strange is a 2022 film. Because I was going to say maybe we'll okay. see the resurgence of Mysterio or something in there somehow. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they have a stacked Phase 4 and beyond. So I'm excited to see what happens. Well, that was a lot of movie news. That was a lot of movie news. There's a whole lot of movie news. Um, what's on your agenda this week to watch? Any anything coming up? Well, I'm looking at it, and um, you know, I have made uh, Sam watch way too many artsy, annoying movies. Um, so <laughs> I think um, we will be watching um, Beyonce's Black is King uh, coming up. Um, that Apple might, TV Plus. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. We're going to be uh, watching that. Um, you know, she is a big Beyonce fan. Uh, so you know. Watch that visual album. Hot off the heels of uh, her star-making performance as Nala in The Lion King. See, um, and that's how good of a fan that Sam is, is that she thought, like, that was a great performance. Oh, my God. Get her in here. No, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one of the new releases this week. The other new release that we're getting is The Secret Dare to Dream, uh, which is Katie Holmes. Uh, and that is based on the Law of Attraction novel, that self-help, self-help-ish book that was made popular like a decade or so ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, so that's going to VOD after originally being scheduled for theaters. Uh, there are other films that are kind of in limbo. So the personal history of David Copperfield is one that I think we're going to get an announcement that's going to VOD soon. It is a little tough to keep up with it because, mm-hmm. you know, not everyone is always sure like, you know, okay, great. It's supposed to be in theaters on X date. Uh, it's getting announced for VOD. Is it coming out that date or is it getting moved to a different date? And everyone just you know loses their mind online. Um, so we try our best here at guy at the movies, uh, live and guide the movies podcast with joe and sean to make sure that you're getting the up-to-date information but we can't always be positive so please leave us some feedback and let us know if we screw up <laughs> uh sean where can people find you they can find me on instagram at math teacher movies excellent math teacher movies um, they also can find you on merchandise now because we do have merchandise that we are going to link to in the show notes here and the podcast notes um some more merchandise coming down the road. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to start promoting a little bit more, getting out there and um, just being nerdy, you know? <laughs> Sounds good. 
So two two last things. One is that uh, Guy at the Movies Quizzo on August 5th, I almost said April 5th, on August 5th is uh, at 7.30 p.m. Eastern, and it is the Harry Potter movie edition. Um, but the most exciting thing that I want to announce uh, event-wise that I've been working on for a little while here is uh, the first ever Guy at the Movies virtual film festival, which is going to be taking place Friday, August 28th through August 30th, and it is completely free it is all online uh between youtube and scener um which is a google chrome extension we'll talk more about it there'll be some more announcements coming down the road but what you can do now if you're interested in staying up to date with it is uh go to guyatthemovies.com and register so uh if you register you'll be getting the update emails and make sure that you get the updated schedule as things continue to progress um but in addition to that you can follow guys film festival on instagram uh, it is going to be a lot of fun. So the all across the board, we're going to have watch longs, which will be live on uh, on video. So you're you're used to some of your favorite YouTubers and Instagram personalities hosting watch alongs of movies with a group of people and talking about the movies and sort of the uh, topics around said films. Um, so we'll be having those. Um, we'll be having some watch parties, which will be more chat based, um, hosted by some of my favorite people on Instagram and YouTube. There'll be some special sessions that are going to be more content-based. So one is a session uh, from a popular YouTuber that will be uh, creating um, digestible content or uh, digestible. Why did I say digestible? Um, <laughs> creating desirable content. Hopefully the desirable content is digestible as well. Um, in addition to that, we'll have uh, conversations about comics to movies, finding your voice as a critic. And then we'll also have uh, about a handful of podcasts that are going to be doing their live recordings, and we will do a special episode that weekend as well. So everything is completely free. Uh, the movies, every movie that will be uh, that will be watched that weekend um, will be available on a streaming platform. So as long as you are subscribed to the streaming platform, you will be able to watch. Um, and one final piece that I, I uh, missed was we're going to have uh, two Q&As with directors of films as well. So we will watch the films and then have a Q&A with those who made the films, um, which will be a lot of fun, a lot of input from you all, a lot of questions from you all will be fielded during those as well. So go to guideatthemovies.com for that. The schedule will be coming out piece by piece. I'll be announcing some of those involved um, as we move closer, but we are a month out as of today, which is Tuesday. Um, yesterday, if you're listening uh, on Wednesday as the podcast, but um, Sean and I will be there. It will be hopefully a lot of fun. It's something new, something to kind of, you know, break the monotony of this crazy time that we're in, um, but looking forward to it. I am very excited for this. I've wanted, like, you know, you you lopped off the weekend. I'm ready to go, ready to watch a bunch of cool movies. You've already told me, like, the schedule, and I'm like, ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be fun. Um, I'm, I'm a perfectionist when it comes to some things like this, like when I'm planning big events. So I'm already extremely nervous and anxiety-ridden. But um, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a good time. Um, and si people are already signing up. So that's that's a really fun thing to see right. as well. But. More to come. You can always count on more here as well. Uh, our podcast is out every Wednesday morning on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and some of the other ones that I wasn't even aware existed. Um, but that's exciting. Um, we are excited to chat with you again next Tuesday night here at Guide the Movies Live, 9 p.m. Eastern. We are here every week. And please, wear that damn mask. Sean, have a good week. You too. <laughs>